three M's. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Welcome to the monorail. <laughs> okay. Uh, puertos, por favor. Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. To those guests who've just joined us, welcome. Our next stop is the Magic Kingdom. Ladies and gentlemen, we are approaching our station at the entrance to Main Street, USA, gateway to the seven theme lands of the Magic Kingdom. Welcome to the Monday Morning Monorail Podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Monorail. I'm McKenna. Mon- I'm Garrett Monorail. And this is Justin Monorail. Welcome back. Good morning, everybody. Or afternoon, good evening, and good night. <laughs> if you're commuting to work, I apologize, but we're going to try to make it a little better by taking you back to the happiest place on earth. I want to go right now. Yeah. Well, Soon. our countdown is on, and I hope... Every single one of you listening has your own countdown. Really, when people are talking about being depressed because they've got the post-Disney travel blues, I always think they just got to keep in mind every every new day is like one day closer to going back to Disney, even if you don't have it planned. It's true. Well, and for people who cannot afford Disney because it is very expensive and it takes a lot out of a family's budget, they can enjoy Disney things like, you know, toys and uh, movies and stuff like that. Maybe, so it does maybe podcasts and and the Monday Morning Monorail podcast. Yeah, right. The right. Ofi- uh, the official beverage of Disney. Well, this is episode eight of Monday Morning Monorail, and it is June the eleventh. So here we are. It is now a hundred degrees outside everywhere you go. So congratulations on that. Hot and steamy. <laughs> yeah. Everyone thinks I have a sunburn because it's so hot. But it's just, You're just the red. heat. It's <laughs> just, just the heat. Just red from the heat. Yeah. yeah. But that's okay, because that means that you get to enjoy things like Splash Mountain to cool you off. Yes. Garrett, how do you like to keep cool in the heat? I like to get like something like a fan. Or stay inside. <laughs> but, hey, I've been fixing that. I know, I'm just messing. Yep. McKenna, what's your beat the heat tip? The Mickey Mouse ice cream. At Disney World, the ice cream sandwiches. That's my beat the heat. You like the ice cream sandwiches or you like the Mickey ice cream bar? Ice cream sandwiches. Okay. And um, chewing on ice. Chewing on ice. That's bad for your teeth. Mm, Who needs teeth? Also, ice has no flavor. It does have flavor. Ice has flavor. Its flavor is cold. Yeah. Well, you were saying, you know, Disney can be an expensive trip, and it is. Um, I think that... You know, we're, we're kind of working on a plan to do a series where we're going to talk about planning for a Disney vacation. And there's a lot of things that go into that. And one of them is kind of determining what kind of budget you're going to have. Because yep. you, can, you can make it work. You know, maybe you don't get to stay as long as you would hope. But if you want to do a Disney vacation, you can make it work and stay at, a, you know, cut some cost by staying at like a value resort or off property if you need to. True, and you always know. doing quick service. For do your quick service, food. or you can take food in the parks. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, they oh. Disney actually allows you to bring food in the parks. So if you oh. want to bring your lunch, you can do that. You don't necessarily have to pay those high Disney theme park food prices, where sometimes a burger can cost you twelve, thirteen dollars. 
Guys, we're more. having sandwiches at the end of July in Disney World. <laughs> well, they've got to be Nutella and peanut butter. So, Logna? So it's up to you. I mean, you know, you, you just decide what your budget's going to be, and then you make it work. But uh, but it is something you've got to plan for. It's something you've got to think about. And sometimes it will take a while for you to, to save up so you can have the kind of vacation you want. But that's why we do these kinds of things. Like, we, we like doing this podcast because we get to talk about it and then... You know, hopefully you enjoy listening to us because it kind of reminds you a little bit of being at Disney yeah. while you're listening. We've got a nice soundtrack. I'm sure I've popped something in there right underneath us today that's going to be a nice little uh, soundtrack for you to listen to, some kind of area music you're enjoying. Yeah. and we Don't have... you love the sounds of insert music track here? <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> and we actually have a couple of people coming up soon. Um, to talk about their recent Disney trips. Yeah, so. that's right. So upcoming shows, we're going to have some people come on to talk about some trips. We'll give you more information about that as we get closer, but we're pretty excited about the prospect of our future guests. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's going to be, be a lot fun. of fun. That's something we've been talking about doing. We're excited to do it. They're going to help us plan our trip as well. Yeah, it's coming up very soon. Yeah. So let's start off the show the way that we normally start off, by checking the Walt Disney World Resort Newswire. I've got a few things I want to run by you guys today, and I want to get your thoughts on them. We can do that. All right. I'm very opinionated. We're going to start with a couple new hotels. The first is a development that is actually going to cause the demolition of the defunct, no longer in service river country that you might have heard of. Um, so we have watched videos on YouTube of people trespassing <laughs> in river country. Oh yeah. It's, it's near the Fort Wilderness Lodge. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, we've seen people kind of walking through there. So that was an old Walt Disney World water park that shut down years ago. And now, I mean, it's still mostly intact. People walk around, um, illegally and take videos over there. Don't but, do that. No, don't do that. But they are going to be tearing that up, and they're going to be building uh, an expansion for what is probably going to be uh, tacked onto the Wilderness Lodge. And people are thinking this is probably going to be um, there, there's going to be some equivalency units for DVC, um, so it's going to be more Disney Vacation Club properties. Okay. okay. The way that people are kind of learning about this, because not a lot of information's come out, but they have filed some construction permits. And an architecture firm called WATG is expected to design the resort. And they are actually responsible for the Grand Floridian, the Convention Center, and the Wedding Pavilion. Oh, fancy so, people. Yeah, so they've done some fancy stuff and, and have some pretty good results that we've seen. So I'm the fancy is, people. So this might be a big event area? I think it's just going to be... There's going to gonna be some rooms like add-ons to the Wilderness Lodge, but it's a lot of Disney Vacation Club units because those are still in demand, especially in the in the Magic Kingdom area. Uh, they're still in high demand. And, you know, I think the other thing that's happening is Disney's adding some rooms like at Saratoga Spring or Coronado. Coronado's adding some rooms and different things. Mm. And I think that they're kind of preparing for that 50th anniversary of the Magic Kingdom coming mm. up. They want to make sure they got plenty of nice places for people to stay. That's going to make cool. sense. And I think it's pretty important for them to get some more space. So they got a lot of rooms. Good. Already, but uh, but yeah. Uh, well, the, yeah, that's true. The other one is that there are rumors, and I don't know that it's been 100% confirmed because I couldn't find a confirmation of it anywhere, but I see a lot of news around this. But there is going to be a, um, a hotel built around Epcot, and they're talking about it's either going to be like right at the entrance of Epcot, so oh. 
Um, so basically, the way that I picture it is the monorail would kind of go on either side of it, I would imagine. Because if you can remember, the monorail goes into Epcot, goes past Spaceship Earth, and it makes kind of a big loop around the lagoon and then comes back. So the hotel would be, it might go through the hotel, maybe. That's so, cool. so it's either going to be like right front and center or it's going to be just off to the side. So people are a little bit ticked off about this because it's definitely going to affect the Epcot skyline, which right now is mostly just Spaceship Earth. Yeah, you're right. I get, but if they place it just right, it would be okay. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm kind of torn on it because one thing I think is it would be pretty cool to have that'd a hotel room where amazing. you can look out your window and see Spaceship Earth and Illuminations oh, cool. every yeah. night. Yeah. That would be amazing. And be like right there at Epcot too. That would yeah. just be but the best. I, I mean, I can see the problem of not wanting to see a hotel whenever you're at Epcot yeah, taking well, pictures. I guess what you have to think about is they've taken such great care in World Showcase so that like when you're walking around the countries, sure, you can look back and see Spaceship Earth, but you can't really see a lot of other stuff, so it doesn't necessarily take you out of, oh, I'm walking around a plaza in Italy. Or, you know, The theming is such that you feel, feel immersed, right? Mm-hmm. So... What will this hotel look like? Is it going to look like how tall is it going to be? Is it going to be one of those things that you look at it and you're like, obviously that doesn't belong in France or I don't know. You know what I mean? So there's some things going on. But the other thing I was thinking about it too is if you think about what Epcot was designed to be originally, the idea that Walt had is that people would be living there. Yeah. So. I would live in Epcot. So it kind (laughs) of goes back to the original idea of what Epcot was supposed to be. Yeah, a little bit. I don't know. I mean, it's. It, I would really need more information. Yeah. I really do. I need to see, like, drawings, plans. Disney people, please run this by the Monday Morning Monorail podcast, and we will sign off if it looks appropriate. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I like the idea of an Epcot hotel, especially one that the monorail would be attached to, if that's something that they would do. But I'm, I also understand the complaints. Yeah. So... Why not have the monorail there, though? That'd be cool. Mm-hmm. I wanted to share, while we're talking about hotels, uh, news came out that the pool, one of the pools at the Disney Animal, Animal Kingdom Lodge is going to be closing for a lengthy refurbishment later this because year. Because there are alligators in there? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't think the alligators got in there. The Uzima Springs Pool and Uzima Springs Pool Bar at Disney's Animal Kingdom Lodge Jumbo House are closing for refurbishment. The work's supposed to start in September and will go through December. And we'll reopen December 5th, actually. Um, During refurbishment at Jumbo House, Jumbo House, (laughs) the Samawati Springs Pool and Maji Pool Bar at Kidani Village will be available. And I think if you were staying at Animal Kingdom Lodge, you could have used those pools anyway. But it just makes it a little less convenient for people staying at the Jumbo House. And I still don't think that December 15th or whenever it was, 5th, that it opens back up. It's going to be warm enough to swim it could still be warm it can be warm but there's still a chill in the air at night in florida that's true that's true so people won't be getting back into it in the spring probably but it's something i wanted to bring it up because if you're planning a trip for the fall to the animal kingdom lodge it might affect you yep and i don't think they'd announced it up till now so there you go ladies and gentlemen yeah I thought this was pretty neat, and I wanted to talk about this. So Disney unveiled a new online tool that makes it even easier and more convenient for you to report lost items. So now, if you lose something in a Disney theme park, water park, Disney Springs, the wide world of sports, or on Disney transportation, 
All you have to do is visit DisneyWorld.com slash Lost and Found, input information about your lost item, and then Disney will search for the item and send you periodic updates to your email address, um, whether you're still at Walt Disney World or if you've returned home. So the reason I like this is because you guys know me. I go into such panic and anxiety mode if I feel like we're missing something. Yeah. And I don't think I'm alone on that. Like, if, especially if it's something that you feel like is important. Like, and I was kind of thinking about, you know, we've had situations where Garrett has lost, like, uh, maybe one of his little plushies or something. It's all he can think about. Yeah, it's I on, go crazy. Yeah, it's on his mind the whole time. He can't relax. He can't have fun anymore because he's thinking about a lost item. I just think it's really cool that Disney's doing this because I feel like what it does is is it gives you peace of mind to help you still kind of relax and it's really smart. I mean, put it all centralized on the web. You put your information in there, and then every time they have something lost that they is added to lost and found, if it matches the description of the thing you lost, bam, right to your phone. You know it's found. I, I think it's Could awesome. Could this be abused, though? How would they abuse it, McKenna? Um, I don't know. You can put in general information about something. Oh, I see. Like, You're saying a guest abuse it. Yeah, uh, like guest abuse, not in I don't think so. They're like, I, like I to, lost a purse. Exactly, and they're well, like, I lost a pink purse. Please, you would probably have to up. identify something in it. Yeah, but like, what if um, my wallet with my money in it? <laughs> yeah, you could say um, I have my ID on me still, but my wallet. I took it out of my wallet because I was getting drinks or something, so it's not in my wallet. You'd have to be able to describe the wallet, though. Yeah, you can say a brown wallet. And they would say and. Odds are that if they found a brown wallet, there would be an ID in it. And then it's I feel like, like there's a way you could abuse it. I mean, though. maybe, maybe. I guess I wasn't looking at it like that. I'm I was kind just of pessimistic. But see, you could problem. do that. You could really do that today anyway. You yeah. could go to Lost and Found and say, hey, I lost uh, a wallet full of $1,000. You know, yeah, exactly. I lost some thun sunglasses. They were black, you know. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, are these them? Yeah, that's mine. I mean, you could do that today. So yeah, people did that at the YMCA whenever it's just I went. An easier way to abuse lost and found. Though. But they do have your information this way. So you're putting in your information saying you lost something. If someone comes back and is like, "Hey, that that thing was mine," they have the information That's in their system. True. So it it might actually be even more secure than just a old lost and found booth. Yeah. Well, and I would hope people would be honest about things. You would hope so. Yeah. Not everybody is. I just think it's cool. Um, here are the steps you take. I'm going to go over it one more time in case you lose something while you're visiting Walt Disney World. Step one, visit DisneyWorld.com slash lost and found to get started. Step two, enter information about your item. Step three, fill in your contact information and submit. Easy And step four, personal space. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last thing I wanted to talk about today was... Something that you might want to mark your calendar for. So Disney's Fairy Tale Weddings TV show series premieres on June the eleventh on Freeform. Yeah, so Disney's Fairy Tale Weddings is returning to Freeform for a six-episode series showcasing magical weddings and celebrations at Disney destinations. Wait, is this a reality TV yeah, show? It is, and it's been married. going on for five seasons, and we didn't even know about it. Well, I don't think we we don't have Freeform. Oh, we well, we are cable cutters, and oh, we don't have yeah. Freeform. We stream. Yeah. But that's interesting. So I Twitch stream. Yeah. You get to if you're gonna watch this show, you can witness unforgettable Disney weddings, proposals, and anniversary celebrations. So Steven Twitch boss, resident DJ for the <laughs> Ellen show, and Allison Holker from Dancing with the Stars are coming back to host the show. And the series is gonna follow eleven couples as they plan their fairy tale weddings, surprise proposals, or anniversary trips. 
So it gives you a, a chance to kind of look behind the scenes and see what's going on when Disney plans a wedding and helps you do that all the way from, you know, the planning session to the floral shop to the execution. So I think it's pretty cool. I mean, not a lot of people get a chance to, to do something like that. And especially to be able to see it kind of from start to finish behind the scenes and all that and see you get to see the locations that they pick transformed into these romantic ceremony spots. I know I saw a couple of pictures and one of them was uh, a couple was doing a wedding in the animal kingdom and they had the tree of life in the background and it was all lit up and multicolored and they had this really pretty outdoor wedding set up. Well, aren't nice. those ladies just special? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And, and there, I'm really happy for them. There'll be another one in Too the... Too bad tr- it doesn't happen for me. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Jeez. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know. I shouldn't have brought it up. Dun, dun. <laughs> But uh, an Epcot. Well, oh, there's there'll be another one in the Chinese courtyard. The Epcot ball. <laughs> it's called Spaceship Earth. No, Ep- the Epcot ball. <laughs> get it right. You're on a the Disney Epcot podcast. Ball. You will be raked over the coals if you don't get it right. Anyway, those were the big things. I know that the incredible summer stuff has kicked off in the parks. I saw a video today of the um, Star Lord and Gamora awesome mix live that oh. someone had put on YouTube. And it looks pretty cool. Um, I will say I feel Gamora is underutilized because she basically stands on the stage and looks disappointed in Star-Lord the whole time. That's lame. Uh, <laughs> she dances in the movie, though. Yeah, but she's just basically displeased. Um, oh, that's unfortunate. But the Star-Lord that they had on the show that I saw, he was pretty good. And he was doing a good job. But there's like... Does so he look like Chris Pratt? I mean, from a distance. Okay. It's believable. But you essentially that what the show is is there's kind of an alien band that's performing. And they show up, Star-Lord and Gamora show up, and they just can't believe how terrible this band is. So they put headphones on all of them. They're like, let me, Star is like, let me crank some of my tunes for you. Just play along. And so, so then they start playing songs from the movies. And, it's, and nice. it, isn't, it isn't actually Star-Lord and Gamora that sing. It's the band. So, and they're playing live. And it's a really good band. And the, and they've got they've got two ladies that are like dancers, but then they sing the the um, some of the Backup lady songs. Singers. But then but then they'll do like they'll front for the female vocalist songs. Okay, okay. And then and then there's a guy that does the male vocals, and they're all really good. Well, I would expect nothing less from Disney. So. Yeah. So it looks like an entertaining show. It's like 20 minutes long. I didn't watch the whole thing. I kind of skipped through and watched a bunch of little pieces of it. But there's a lot of kind of special effects. They do a lot of fireworks in it, nice. which is pretty neat. Yeah. Um, they've got a big screen behind the whole stage and they do a con- a lot of different like you know visual we'll have to watch it later yeah it's pre- it's pretty cool so check that out that's like i said that's one of those things that out of all the incredible summer stuff i'd love to see that one of course we're we're not planning an epcot trip but uh that's that's really i mean the incredible tomorrowland expo that's going on at magic kingdom looks pretty cool too but yeah we'll get to see the stuff that's over at animal kingdom and the studios so yeah it'll be fun yep we're going to have a blast. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, that'll wrap it up for the Newswire. Oh, McKenna has something. I would like to say that I'm really excited about all the cupcakes that are coming out of Disney right now. Okay. I just thought, I just think we should bring up the Little Mermaid cupcake. Well, bring it up. Tell me okay. about it. Well, the Little Mermaid cupcake's really cool, and it has a mermaid tail coming out of it. It's the coolest, and I'm just... I don't know where it is though. I haven't really done a lot of research on it. We can find it. I don't, I'm about to tell you where it's at. Tail, like a cookie. I'm not completely sure. I will tell you all about it. Please so. do. I want to hear more about it. Uh, and also the Ratatouille spoon in Disney. Isn't it at Disneyland? Land. Yeah, because yeah. they're having Pixar Fest. I'm really jealous about that. 
Okay, well, I have bad news for you because the only place that you can get the mermaid cupcake is the Main Street Bakery in the Magic Kingdom. See, that's what I thought. And it is inspired by Ariel. It's a little tribute cupcake. I'll show it to you. Hold on. Hold I want to see now. Hold on. I want to see it now. Um, it's made from seafoam green buttercream, chocolate crispy pearls, and the piece de resistance is an iris- iridescent mermaid tail. The tail itself is a sugar cookie. That's what I thought. Yeah. So here's take a look at it. It's nice green oh, and blue. It's very, to everybody, this is oh, this cool. is a visual element of a audio podcast. So you can't right see now it. you could be googling this and looking for it for yourself. Um, it's on the Disney Food blog if you'd like to see it. And it does look. I mean, it looks. Of course, it's a you know diabetes. Yeah, it looks. Fest. But it'd be great. But it'd be. It delicious. looks like Garrett and I would have to share one because we'd get a tummy ache if we tried to eat it. The base mm-hmm. is vanilla confetti cake. So I can eat it. So, yep. You could have it. Oh, look. There's a picture. It's a dissection. Ooh. Nice. Didn't they say chocolate pearls, though? I can take... I don't... You can take the pearls off. Yeah. I can take them off. She can take the pearls off. Yeah, we're dealing with a couple difficult eaters here because we've got a chocolate uh, allergy to deal with and and a pineapple allergy, so... Sorry. Yeah, you guys... You guys make things tough, but definitely okay. a choice. It was. Why? Come on, guys. And because of me, the family has decided to not eat at the Polynesian because everything there has pineapple. Well, not everything, but a lot of it. Yeah. And I was going to get to what our alternate choice is, but oh. that's going to be in segment three. So you that's fine. That. You're Wait, not, do no, I you're not, not get spoiling Dole it. Whip? You will. We're going to figure it out. Okay. So that's a little teaser for segment three. But for now, I think it's time to hop on over to Monday Morning Monorail Disney Deep Dive with the Dawes, or as I like to call it, M34D. So please stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Monday Morning Monorail. This is M34D, which of course stands for Monday Morning Monorail Disney Deep Dive with the Dawes. Joining me on this fine segment is Landon the Dawes Doan himself. Landon, welcome back to the Monorail. Uh, Glad to be back on this bright and shiny, or maybe overcast, maybe rainy. I don't know where you're listening Monday morning. Well, hopefully we can bring them a little sunshine with this segment right here. That's what I'll I'll contribute. Um. (laughs) Well, Landon, we are continuing on the path of doing a deep dive into the day one Magic Kingdom attractions. And so as we work our way down that list, the next one I come to is one that, you know, it kind of feels a little bit uh, cozy and comfy. It's, It's a little familiar because we happen to be Southerners ourselves. And that, of course, is the Country Bear Jamboree. Absolutely. Uh, I thought you were going a different route. I, I didn't know we were going to talk Song of the South, but uh, I'm, I'm glad you uh, you went with the Country Jer- or country Bear Jamboree instead. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll save that for another day. For today, we're just going to talk about <laughs> singing bears. So yeah, let's dig into this Country Bear Jamboree. And again, I said, you know, this, this tends to, it hits a little close to home for a couple Southern boys because they did 
fully embrace the southern stereotype with these bears in this interaction. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's, you're uh, you're you're not wrong in that aspect, but yeah. uh, but uh, thankfully, it's more of a loving uh, tip of the cap with those stereotypes as opposed to, "Hey, look at us, we ain't got no shoes." <laughs> well, that, uh, I don't think they are wearing any get. shoes, though. To be honest, well, that that is that is true bears much like singing don't wear shoes so <laughs> yeah we're learning a whole lot about what bears can and more importantly can't do on this episode <laughs> yeah we're all about educating here of course <laughs> well let's let's set the table here at the beginning so what is the country bear jamboree well the country bear jamboree is a stage show where you and and i actually i neglected to look at uh what the capacity is for the theater but they, you know, they've got a nice little intimate theater set up with five at the Magic Kingdom. There's five stages, and audio animatronic bears come up and sing and play instruments and put on a nice little 15, 16 minute show for you. It's kind of a country medley. Some of it's been shortened from its original show, as, as similar to the Tiki Room. They they trimmed off like four to five minutes of this show to make it a little more to move a little faster and, and hold the interest of today's modern American. <laughs> um, so I guess that mark is right around the fifteen sixteen minute mark. They figure if you go past that, you're going to lose them. People are going to be on their Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or something by that point. Yep, they got to be face space and stuff. <laughs> yeah, this happens to be. One of the last attractions that Walt Disney was actually involved in the design and um, ideation for, if you will. He didn't actually get to see it come to fruition. Um, one of the interesting things about this particular attraction, you know, a lot of the day one Magic Kingdom attractions we've been talking about were plucked from Disneyland and just kind of transplanted right into the Magic Kingdom Park. This one, as opposed to the others, was actually, it, it was introduced into the Magic Kingdom first, and because it was so popular, they actually replicated it back over to Disneyland. And I'd be interested to say, I, I know I said on a couple episodes ago, I don't want to throw you under the bus or put you on the spot when I ask these questions. I'm wondering how many attractions there are like that, because you talked about, especially those day one attractions where, where they were just so popular, they pretty much just copy-pasted them in. I would be interested to see how many attractions are the reverse, where they were so popular in Orlando, they're shipping them out west now. Yeah, you know, and just doing a quick look, um, of course, you know, I, I would need to do a little bit more research on this, but I am going to go out on a limb and at least say, in regard to day one attractions, I think this is going to be the only one you would find that started at the Magic Kingdom in Orlando and then was brought back. I'm, gonna, I'm just going go to go ahead and say that it's unique in that aspect. Well, way to go out on that one. I'm doing it. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, and I'm sure we'll hear about it. So, No, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Be sure to let us know how wrong we are on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to circle back to uh, the list of day one attractions because it was something we brought up before, and I have it in front of me now. So we're going to take a look at it before we wrap this segment up and kind of touch base on whether or not all those are still standing. So uh, remind me to do that before we before we close today. Okay, do that before we close. Okay, thank you. This show, interestingly enough, was originally sponsored by Pepsi and Frito-Lay. There was actually kind of a reference at the beginning of the show uh, to the Pepsi sponsorship, but since that's changed, they've, of course, taken that out of the show. In my recent memory of, of going and visiting the Country Bear Jamboree, I don't 
I don't think it currently has a sponsor. I think they've dropped that off of it. Yeah, uh, it, it currently listed, like I, I said in all my research, of all the places that the Country Bear Jamboree are, uh, Magic Kingdom, Disneyland, and Tokyo uh, Disneyland, does not have a sponsor. Wait, no, I take that back. Uh, Tokyo Disneyland is sponsored by House Foods. So okay, all right, there you go. So If you're a fan of House Foods, you can head to Tokyo Disneyland and, I don't know, and enjoy the sponsorship. watching the bears, yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Well, it's it, thank you for pointing out that it is at the Tokyo Disney Resort. So it does this attraction for a while existed in three parks, which were of course uh, the Magic Kingdom in Orlando, uh, Disneyland in California, and then Tokyo Disneyland. It has since closed at Disneyland in California and was replaced by Winnie the Pooh, uh, a Winnie the Pooh attraction. The Mini Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, the Mini Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, but it still stands um, at Tokyo Disney. I thought it was pretty interesting to, to learn that because of the popularity in Orlando, they actually built two theaters in Disneyland and in Tokyo Disneyland um, just to make sure they could you know, get the crowds in and get them moved through and there wasn't a huge wait for this thing. I wonder in Tokyo Disneyland how popular it is. Are they still jamming out those you know, two theaters? I don't know. I would be curious to see just how much uh, the popularity does translate over to Tokyo Disneyland. But obviously Disney saw the attraction as popular enough to install it into their western land area of Tokyo Disneyland. But yeah, you talk about how the times have changed for, I guess, the a park or the, the, the park going public. It's like I honestly had no idea the popularity of the Country Bear Jamboree until starting to do the research. You mentioned the fact that they had to build multiple theaters to accommodate the crowds back in the day to see this where nowadays it's like we, we we've talked about so so many times on this show the the most uh important piece of currency you have at disney while you're there is time and i'll be honest like i don't know if i want to you know give up 15 minutes and 55 seconds to watch the show when i could be standing in line for like space mountain or something yeah i'm probably not gonna get on space mountain in the 15 minutes i would have been uh, uh watching country bear jamboree but at the same time i would be 15 minutes closer to space mountain if i didn't go see country bear jamboree but that's just me yeah i think your your mentality is very similar to the modern walt disney world traveler i would imagine well, that's why they call me the modern day Disneyman, Landon Doan. <laughs> that's right. That is one Nobody of your calls nicknames. Me. <laughs> well, I was totally going to sell it, man, and you just you, you <laughs> took it right out from me. All right, me. fine. They totally call me the modern day Disneyman. Is that what I called myself? Yeah, yeah. Sweet. <laughs> um, T-shirt's coming soon. So I'm going to get into some of the statistics here. Uh, so we do have a lifelike cast of hillbilly bears. There's 18 of them, to be exact. That are going to perform on stage and and those stages. I mean, you know, to be built when it was back in the seventies and and uh, implemented at that time. I think the technology that they use is pretty impressive. They've got the you know the there's two stages on either side of the main stage. Um, there's actually kind of an elevator on the front of the of the main stage where you know you'll see like Gomer comes up on, with his piano and you know some of the other the the triplets come up in the middle and then and um so but otherwise uh the bears on the sides are on turntables oh i'm sorry i'm pulling the i should say if if you don't want it spoiled you don't want the magic spoiled then then maybe uh skip ahead a little bit because i'm about to tell you how it works so <laughs> oh man i thought we were going to keep everything kayfabe on this podcast yeah. um <laughs> uh but you know the curtains close they've got the bears on turntables they spin them around so then when it opens back up you're seeing a whole new bear um, and actually, the host bear, Henry, 
Um, you'll actually see him kind of move from either side of the stage, which is pretty neat. They've got animal heads hanging <laughs> hanging on the walls <laughs> in the in the auditorium that actually interact with the bears on stage. Uh, there's a buffalo, there's a stag, and then a moose. Uh, speaking of the buffalo, his name is Buff. He's considered the leader of the mounted animal heads. And you know who he's voiced by? Who's that? Thurl Ravenscroft. Nice. He's back yeah. again. <laughs> I like, like, seriously, get used to it. Anytime I can point out Thurl's Ravens or Thurl Ravenscroft is in an attraction, I'm gonna. So just prepare yourself, everybody. Oh, and he's gonna come up a lot because he's all over the parks. But uh, oh, the walls, or, sorry, <laughs> wrong attraction. <laughs> uh, the other animal that you're gonna see is at, at one point when we see Henry, he's wearing a top hat, and uh, Sammy the raccoon pops out of that top hat. So near the end of the show, so it's really a cast of thousands when you get right down to it. Um, all kinds of animals get involved, but uh, of course the main attraction is the bears. They do sing, as I mentioned, a medley of country songs. Um, I actually re-watched the Country Bear Jamboree today on YouTube because I wanted to pick a favorite, and I've got one. I'm going to go with My Woman Ain't Pretty, But She Don't Swear None, performed, <laughs> performed by Liver Lips McGrawl. That's a classic, in my opinion. I like it. I think a lot of people enjoy Blood on the Saddle by Big Al, one of the closing numbers. Um, he actually kind of kicks off the finale because he plays his tune. Uh, Henry comes out and starts to perform, and then Big Al comes out again. Then And then we get on to the to the finale where everybody comes out, even even the, uh, the one bear that comes swinging down on the swing. Um, if you remember, Teddy Barra is her name, and uh, she's a brown bear. She wears a pink hat and has a, has a pink feather on it. She's got a boa, and she actually swings down from the ceiling at one point in the show Wow! to perform a number, and then she returns to, for the finale as well. So I will say, in watching it, and, and we did, we took the kids to go see the Country Bear Jamboree when we went uh, back in 2014, and, you know, it moves, it moves nicely. It's a, it's a fun little show, especially if you kind of get in, get in there, get into it, you know, clap along, sing them if you know them, and uh, just, just have a good time. I think it's something, it's a nice little reprieve from the heat. Go in, take a little break for a little while, hear some, hear some hillbilly classics, and, and enjoy yourself. Yeah, especially what you said right there, kind of a nice break from the heat. It's like, even though I said I don't, or I think I'd rather spend those 15, almost 16 minutes standing in line for Space Mountain, I will say just having that nice break where you can sit down and be out of the blazing Florida heat and just get a little bit of AC, that right there might be enough to <laughs> go uh, go watch the show. And oh, by the way, the show itself is not bad. So. Right. It's enjoyable. It's a good time. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's, it's, it, it's a bunch of bears singing to you. What's not to like? So I did want to mention that in 1984, they actually started doing a holiday season special show. So for the Christmas season, they introduced the Country Bear Christmas Special at Magic Kingdom and at the Disneyland Resort. And one of the things that I thought was kind of neat about this is that this was the first attraction that they started doing a different variation of the show for the holiday season. It's something they do a lot more today, but this was really the first attraction that did it. I thought this was pretty interesting, too. As I was doing my research, I learned that the Country Bear Jamboree was actually originally designed for the never-built Disney Ski Resort Mineral King in California. Walt Disney really wanted a show that was going to entertain people and give them something to do if they weren't out hitting the slopes. 
Of course, the Mineral King Resort was never built, but they liked the idea so much that that's why it ended up being implemented. Um, they went through with the design and, and built it for the Magic Kingdom part. Hmm. And, and, and I'll be honest, like up until we started doing research for this show, I didn't even know that the Mineral King Ski Resort was was ever on the books for Disney. But the fact that they wanted some sort of attraction and they landed on mechanical bears yeah. for that resort. I mean, like, obviously it ended up working out in the long run, but it's like, I really would have liked to be in on that uh, thought process and, and, and how they all was like, yep, we need mechanical bears. I also wanted to talk about the lead Imagineer that was assigned to this was Mark Davis. And you might have heard his name before. We probably mentioned him when we talked about the Jungle Cruise and the Tiki Room. But he was also involved in such classics as Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln, The Carousel of Progress, It's a Small World, Pirates of the Caribbean, The Haunted Mansion, and, of course, The Country Bear Jamboree. So Mr. Davis was, I mean, he had his fingerprint just as much on many of the classic attractions uh, that we have today as, as Walt himself. Yeah, it really sounds like. Uh, and, and and I love the fact that uh, before his passing, Walt really worked with a, with a, a hardcore core for the lack of a better term imagineers in building up all of his attractions and and you and mark davis i mean you just rattled off everything that he he had his fingers on and i mean like those are those are all classics absolutely most of which started in disneyland M mind you <laughs> <laughs> that kind of exhausts my list of fun facts and things that i wanted to share about the country bear jamboree lana did you have anything else uh, no, can't really think of anything. I think I uh, said everything I want to when we were talking back and forth, uh, you know, about the different aspects of it, you know, uh, starting in Magic Kingdom, uh, coming to Disneyland, and now it's all the way in Tokyo Disneyland. Yeah, yeah. I think we covered everything for the Country Bears. I hope we encouraged you to at least go give it a try if you've never done it. It is a fun show. Um, you're going to want to pick up the CD on the way out. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna be. <laughs> yes, this is one of the attractions where uh, where they encourage you to buy the band CD on the, the way. Yeah, out. you're gonna want to get the mer hit the merch table, pick up a, a T-shirt, pick up the CD, <laughs> um, maybe pick up their EP before they were signed. That's right. So, so you the, can say that uh, that, that you uh, like the Country Bear Jamboree before they sold out. Yeah, maybe even pick up the live album. I think they only sell that at the show. So oh uh, yeah, you're gonna want to. Yeah, do you it. can uh, you can hear previous uh, unreleased B-side tracks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, you know, this is another one of those, I'll, I'll put it out there. I'm going to ask you to sign off on, sign off, sound off. Don't, you don't have to sign off on it. It's already exists. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to ask you, our, our faithful listener to sound off and give us your opinion on the country bear jamboree. Is it, is it a must do for you every time? Is it a must do for first timers? And then the third piece, is it untouchable? All right, Landon, it's been a pleasure having you, sir. I'm going to go ahead and, and let people know. Why don't you let people know where they can find you? Uh, Twitter.com slash Landoz, L-A-N-D-O-Z. That's where you can find the latest updates from me, 280 characters at a time. I also run a website, ButtMunchChips, ButtMunchChips.com. Sit on your butt and munch. Exactly. We have a fun slogan uh, that, like that. Uh, you can find the exclusively posted Game of Thrones talk, a.k.a. Got Talk, where myself and Hunter East break down each episode of Season 7 of HBO's award-winning series Game of Thrones. We are in somewhat of a hiatus because we don't know when it's coming back. But when it does, I guarantee you, Hunter and I will be there. And there's also other fun podcasts on that site as well. That's uh, Butt Much Chips. And once, once again, ButtMunchChips.com. All right, man. Appreciate it. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks once again for helping me with this M34D segment. Glad to do it. This is modern, what, what a modern day Disney man, Landon Doan, signing off. Hey, look, there's some non-mechanical bears. I'm going to go teach them how to play banjo. <laughs>
Welcome back to the Monday Morning Monorail. Hope you enjoyed M340 today. We were talking all about the Country Bear Jamboree. And they seem rocky top. They don't. Release the you bears. Know, I feel like this must have been something I, I made up or something, but they don't. It's definitely not part of the show now, but what? I could have sworn that they used to sing Rocky Top. I thought that they did too. Yeah. But they do sing Davy Crockett, the ballad of Davy Crockett. Oh, maybe we just got our redneck songs confused. It's possible. <laughs> yeah. While we kind of are on the topic of M34D, I wanted to follow up on a question that I tweeted out to our Disney community on Twitter. Um, last week, we were talking about the Swiss Family Treehouse, and Landon and I were asking aloud to each other, you know, is the, Dis- is the Swiss Family Treehouse one of those things that you feel like you need to do every time? Yes. Is it something that you would recommend to first-timers? And is it one of those things that is kind of untouchable? Uh, Like, will Disney, do you think Disney will never get rid of it? And so I put that question out on Twitter. McKenna's opinion is it is a must do and it will never go away. It's great. I, it's not like great in a way. It's like nostalgic and I don't want it to ever go away because I remember going in it a few times now. And I don't know. I feel like it would I even when I think about Disney, I think about the Swiss Family Treehouse. It's like something I think about. Well, as it turns out, you're not alone. I'm I gonna... think it's boring. I, you think museums are boring, too. Yeah, so. I think so. everything's boring. I do not. Well, let's hear the voice of the people. I did put this out on Twitter. We got a lot of responses. Thank you all for your feedback. Let's kick it off with Jen Loves Disney, at Jen Loves Disney. And her response was, it's a must-do. She said she's super big on nostalgia, and this was a favorite of hers as a little girl. Now her kiddo loves it, and plus, they love the movie. Well, there you go, McKenna. Go hang out with them and Woo. walk through this with family treehouse. And I said, do you think you'd recommend it to a WDW first-timer who may not have seen the movie? And she said, yes, as an original attraction from Magic Kingdom, it's a must-do. Know and appreciate your Disney history, people. Plus, plus the views are amazing. And I, I have to say, I agree with her on the know and appreciate your Disney history piece. Absolutely. And it is. This is a Walt attraction. You know, it's something that, as as with a lot of the day one attractions, Walt's thumbprints all over these things. And I, I think that when you walk through Walt's Park, you need to respect the history and educate yourself on it. Well, no one ever accuses me of being a history lover. <laughs> Well, this is a special kind of history. I know. This I get it. It's a magical it. history. I got it. Um, so Brian chimed in. This is at Brian W8513. He said, it's a must for me, mostly because I loved doing it when I was younger and thought it was so cool and seeing all the great views from the top. As an adult now, I can say I still love it and it always brings me back to those memories. So again, Go kind nostalgia. of a, a nostalgia take on that one. Yeah. Hmm. Monorail. Maybe if oh, I'd sorry. gone whenever I was younger. Sorry. Go ahead. That's all right. Monorail Lime blog at Monorail Lime said, wouldn't go as far as saying it's a must do, but I appreciate the structure itself and its craft work. It's easily overlooked these days and rarely has a weight. Many kids, including my own, have no idea what it represents, though. And I think that's kind of accurate, too, because 
this movie came out in um, nineteen seventy, I think, or or I'm sorry, sixty two. Um, we say this if you listen to the last ep- podcast, we get it right. I think it was like sixty two because if I remember right, when they opened up Magic Kingdom Park, it was like ten years old. Okay, so. I mean, I remember watching it as a kid. Have you guys? I don't think you guys I've have seen, seen it. You've seen Swiss I've Family seen Robinson? Yeah. Garrett has not. Okay. So I you saw it before you went to the Magic Kingdom, right? I, well, when it, before we went to the Magic Kingdom. I, for sure? Yeah, for sure. Okay. I don't think she ever watched it. Whenever. I do because they get straight. No, I'm, I'm not oh. saying. I'm saying like before pre dad and Yeah, it. I, I definitely... I feel like I watched it with a class for some reason. Okay. That's possible. Yeah, that may be. Allison at WDW Minibar said, We've only done it maybe three or four times ever and go multiple times throughout the year. Like you said, once you've seen it, there's nothing else to see. And then I asked the question, because this is something Landon and I kicked around, um, would you be more tempted to squeeze in the treehouse if there were cast members to interact with in the various rooms? And she said that she feels like she would, and it would definitely be more interesting, and then you could also learn something. Because I was kind of thinking that would be a way for them to keep it fresh and interesting. Put put some people in there. Put the Robinson family in there. Yeah, because you're just kind of walking through the structure. And they could like and maybe it. be doing stuff that they yeah. do in the movie, because they always had something that they were kind of doing in the mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. They could even kind of be like maybe building a gadget or something. That'd be cool. Pulling up the coconuts. Um, Matt Franklin at Navy 1990 said, This is an absolute must-do for us. Um, Swiss Family Robinson is our oldest daughter, older daughter's favorite Disney movie, plus it's very nostalgic. So there you go. Um, Sabra Matthias? Matthias? He apologizes Sorry, Sabra. For I apologize for tearing Matthias. up your last name. What did you say, Garrett? I think that's Matthias. Matthias. Okay. Say it's at Sabra 22, which is much easier for me to manage the Twitter name. Love the movie as a child. As an adult, I'm likely to take the hubby there. If I had some grandkids, then absolutely. Okay. So that's another nostalgia kind of a comment on that one. And then last one is Adventures in Magic at Adventures Magic said, I wouldn't say it's a must do. I enjoy it. But in recent trips, I haven't gone out of my way to visit it. And that's kind of the way that I look at it. It's, it's one of those things I would recommend it to a first-timer to Walt Disney World, especially considering the history behind the attraction. But it's one of those things where, personal opinion, there's a lot of amazing things to see in the park. You can't squeeze it all in one day, and understanding that you've got to budget your time. You know, if you can't do it, that's okay. It's not, it's not going to be the end of the world. Yeah, I mean, and you have people like me who um, don't pay attention to things unless they're loud noises and colors. So, uh, you know, walking through the treehouse was a little boring. But I I get it, and I respect the fact that people enjoy it. And I also don't want to see it come down, but I do want them to make it more a part of the park. And I think adding the people, the characters, to, like, kind of interact with the visitors, that would be a good way to do that. I just think it would be cool. Yeah. It'd be a nice little interactive, bring the tree house alive a little bit, give you another yeah. reason to go. So, Yeah, give out cupcakes there or something. Then everyone would go. <laughs> oh, yeah, if they were giving out mermaid cupcakes or tree house cupcakes. Tree house kind. cupcakes. We're in. <laughs> Garrett. Coconut cupcakes. What did you think about the tree house when we went through it? What, I mean, did you think it was really cool? Were you excited to do it? Well, this kind of might shock you, but I don't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Well, we did, 
And it took me a minute to remember it as well, Garrett, because it's not very engaging. There's a there's a lot of cool stuff in the treehouse. I remember it because I like I like doing stuff like that, like walking through something and just looking at stuff. I feel like it's nice to have whenever I- it's like go 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 all the time. It's nice to just do something. That's quiet. You just look around. And you just take it in. At your own I pace. might not mm-hmm. remember it because I didn't know that there was a movie uh, before you need to today. See Swiss Family Robinson. Really? Really? You, sh- you need what to see have that I movie. Done? Yeah, bad parenting. Yeah, it's a classic, Garrett. We'll watch it. Yeah. You should listen to episode seven of this podcast. You'd hear all about the backstory. I think that's good. Uh, <laughs> Let's do it, Garrett. Again, thank you all for your opinions and interacting with us on that question. That was awesome. And, it, you know, that's the kind of thing that I really enjoy, you know, as, as part of this show, interacting with the community and, and getting those kind of responses and, and the, starting the conversations. That's awesome. Yeah, you guys are making it fun for us. It's, it's really cool to see all the responses. My phone keeps going off and I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> I know. I want to give a special shout out to the Disney Discussions podcast because they gave us a shout out on Twitter. And if you are a fan of Disney podcasts, I recommend you go check them out. I also wanted to give a plug for the Mouse Knows Best podcast because as well, they have been interacting with us quite frequently and been very supportive. So I appreciate them. Go check out that Monorail Lime blog for at uh, Monorail Lime. I also wanted to say thank you to Dillo's Diz and the Improvisers Guide podcast for the shout-out on your Twitter as well. We really appreciate the support, guys. It makes us feel all warm and fuzzy inside, as if we were a snowman named Olaf and we just got a warm hug. Oh. Don't shake your head at me. Mm-mm. Don't shake your Ooh. head at me. No, but that movie's I'm good. You. No. You just don't like it for personal reasons. Yeah, I have... I have feelings about Frozen that have nothing to do with the movie. So Don't give a, get a bias against it. The movie's good on its own. Another good follow, especially if you find yourself on YouTube, is the Main Street Journal. They do a daily Disney quiz that you might want to jump in on and participate oh, in. Oh, fun. So their Twitter is at the main S-T-J-R-N-L. So follow them. You'll get the updates and subscribe to their YouTube account as well. Okay, so guys, last week, you remember when we were talking about that uh, bakery that shut down in Epcot, um, and yeah. we were wondering what the big deal was? Yeah. So Allison helped us out with that. She said, and this is at WDW Minibar again, she said that the thing people love at that place is the Norwegian school bread. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> no, what is that? It sounds good. Yeah, yeah, I'm interested in this. That's something we didn't get when we were there the last time. Is it like confetti bread where you put sprinkles on a piece of toast and eat it no that wouldn't be disney all right so here's some details around the school bread so again this is only found in the norway pavilion at the at the kringla bakery og cafe we went currently closed yeah it's a sweet bread roll injected with vanilla pudding or custard then covered with sweet icing and toasted coconut oh They had they me had you until, until coconut. coconut. <laughs> <laughs> Although, I would still be willing yeah, to I would, try. I would eat through the coconut. And it says, the description aside, this is one of those Disney World snacks that actually isn't too sweet. Which is oh. probably why pe- people really love it. That sounds really good, actually. I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of coconut, but I would definitely give that a go. And it yeah, says, it does sound good except the coconut. Regarding texture and taste, 
that the bread here is a cross between a cinnamon roll and a dinner roll. It's not super moist. It's more springy. Mm. And the sweet vanilla custard is extremely smooth and abundant. Mm. So there you go. Mm. That's what we're... (laughs) That's what we're missing out on. We're making everybody hungry really here at the table. I think we're going to have to go have some dessert Oh my here gosh, can we go get Cinnabons? <laughs> <laughs> can we go get school bread? Where can we find yeah. that? Yeah. Get Brewster's? No. Wrong. That has nothing to do with it, but still. That wrong. does sound good. I'm, I'm sorry that we missed out on that. Wished we would have known. We went into that bakery, though, I'm We did sure. go in there. And we didn't get anything. We didn't Is get that anything. the one that had Starbucks inside of it? No. Oh. No, no, no. This was in the Norway Pavilion. There was this little bakery we went into. Yeah, because I was sad about oh, Nordstrom yeah. being closed. Because I, I, that really disappointed me whenever we found out that it, the ride was closed. And oh, the Maelstrom? Yeah. Did you say, Ma- Nord- I said Did you Nordstrom. say Nordstrom? What's wrong with That's a clothing shopping. shop. Oh, my gosh. You got shopping on your wow. brain. Yeah, I do. I always have shopping on my Ladies brain. Ladies be shopping. Same. <laughs> Everyone be shopping because we're in 2000, the 21st century. Well, Dad. so thank you, Allison, for that. But then she also, uh, she was listening to us talking about what we might be doing on our last day. Um, and we, we mentioned that we're, before we leave and head back home to Knoxville, we would probably go over to the boardwalk. And we mentioned we couldn't get a, a reservation over at Beaches and Cream. And she said, I recommend Ample Hills. Ample Hills makes all the ice cream fresh. And you can get an ice cream flight and try a lot of different flavors. Ice cream flight. And I said, ice cream flight, sweet sassy molassy. <laughs> How did I not know those existed in this yeah, world? for real. So. What, an ice cream flight sounds amazing. At WDW Minibar, you are my favorite friend now. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. She has the best recommendations. I, I think we should talk more. <laughs> Thank you for your uh, recommendations because I am really disappointed about not getting the ice cream at Beaches and Cream. But this sounds like a really great alternative. So just to to be a little more clear, because I don't think we said it, we're probably looking at like breakfast or maybe a lunch. So we were thinking about the the bakery, the, the Boardwalk Bakery. I don't know if you had a chance to look at the menu, but it looks like it's got some pretty good options. They actually have a couple like protein kind of things, but there's a lot of muffins and... And that sort of thing. I love muffins. A muffin? Yeah. That sounds good. Well, I mean, like, I think they have, like, an egg platter or something that you yeah, can get there. Yeah, because you guys know I've been obsessed with eggs lately, so. I don't I, eat breakfast. Oh, I really. love breakfast. I love breakfast. Breakfast is awesome. Breakfast is mm. my favorite meal. Yeah, but I, I don't think the ride home McKenna, would be let me let me educate you on why breakfast is the best. You can have everything for breakfast. The most Literally everything. Meal of the day. You, you, if you want steak, you can have steak for breakfast. But you also get things like cinnamon rolls. You know, that's a breakfast. Cinnabon. Item. We gotta yeah. get cinnabon. And bacon and sausage and mini uh, Mickey waffles and Mickey waffles. I'm cool with. Yeah. Fruit. Fruit. Sausage, Fruit. gravy, and biscuits. All the best things come for breakfast. Crab cakes. Carbs. Lots of carbs. You mean crabs? No. The cake kind. Breakfast doesn't crabs, have a lot of options crabs. for me. It's just all kinds of options. The options are endless. We teased it in the first segment, so I want to put a button on this one. We've decided what we're going to do for the night we arrive at the Walt Disney World Resort. We were talking about going over to the Polynesian, but again, there was a lot of concern that maybe every food item at the Polynesian was marinated in pineapple or coated in pineapple or served with some kind of pineapple chutney. Yeah, sorry, family. <laughs> so, I'm sorry, I, I think, restrict I our think we could have found you things that would have been fine. I think so, too, but, but it was very, like, 
I'm going to get a Caesar salad. <laughs> yeah. Well, we decided just to make it a lot easier. And what we've done instead is we've made reservations at the California Grill. So the California Grill is a restaurant that sits atop the Contemporary Resort, Ooh. and it has a observation deck where you can oh. overlook the Magic Kingdom and the castle. And here's the cool thing about the about the California Grill: you know the windows look out. So if you're sitting in there, they dim the lights when they do the nighttime fireworks spectacular. They dim the lights in the California Grill. They pump in the music so you get to watch it, so you can watch happily ever after. But our reservation's at 520 for dinner. That's okay, because as long as you keep your receipt, you can come back to the California Grill that for the rest of that night, and you can watch the fireworks from the observation deck. And nice. order drinks. Th- that'll be taken dessert. care of. Yeah. And we'll order, have, like, floats. We'll have drinks and dessert. Yeah. So my thought actually was we would go have dinner. Um, we'll be able to, there's plenty of time because by the time we're done with dinner, it'll probably be around 6.30. Um, I think Happily Ever After that night is around 9.20 or something like that. So we'll be able to go hop down to the monorail station in the Contemporary, maybe go over to the Polynesian and get some Dole Whip. Yeah, for Dole you. Whip. I want some Dole I'm going to try it. It's like, everyone's like, oh, get you some Dole Whip. And we're going to go I get just, it. I've never some. had it because of mom. I'm my sorry. life, mom. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> hey guys, That's what make Dole Whip with mango. Come on, it's a tropical mango fruit. Dole Whip would be interesting, but be it's delicious. It's pineapple. Like you got to get pineapple. That's the traditional yeah, style. It's the tradition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, then the other thing I was thinking is I've actually never been in the Grand Floridian, and um, so I thought it might be cool to go walk around in there for a little while. And this is the time where I did want to say that the Grand Floridian, just in the last week, lost its longtime greeter. Oh, yeah. Oh. Richard Gerth uh, passed away this past week. He was 92 years old, and he had been a greeter at the Grand Floridian Resort for 30 years. Oh, wow. And the the outpouring of just emotion and and love and the memories that people were sharing on social media after he passed away, it, it was overwhelming because people just talked about one of the most amazing things about being in the Grand Floridian was getting a chance to interact with Richard. So I'm sad that I'll never get to meet him. Yeah, same here. There was a story that someone shared, and, and I'm sorry I can't give you um, appropriate credit for this, but this is just a, an example of, of what Richard would do for people. Um, there was a couple that was getting married at the Grand Floridian, and the bride, her father had passed away the year before, so he couldn't be there. So Richard said that he would be her dad for the day. He carried her train and everything, and apparently it had been like raining all week, and he promised her it wasn't going to rain on her wedding day, and it didn't. And Oh, you know, I'm going to cry. Yeah, it was a really sweet story, but apparently you know, it was that sort of thing that, that Richard would do for people. So at this was an opportunity just to kind of mention that and say that you know I feel like this episode should be dedicated to Richard Gerth and his memory. And I think that he kind of embodies the spirit that Walt would intend for all of his cast members to have, um, the kind of interaction, the kind of care. Like, he really cared about the, the guest of the resort, and he's part of what makes it so magical to go to Disney. Yeah, what a wonderful person. I just, I, I really do feel like it's unfortunate we didn't get to meet him, because he sounds like a... A person who leaves an impact on your life. And those are the kind of people that we all want to 
have in our lives. So rest in peace, sir. It's estimated that Richard Gurth assisted with over 3,500 brides um, at the weddings at the Grand Floridian since the early 1990s. Really sad, but, um, you know, people people come and go in, in life, and it's part of it. And I think one of the things you just have to do is, is keep them in your heart, keep them in your memory, celebrate the good times, and, and try to keep the spirit living on and how you treat other people. Yeah, what a legacy, and, and definitely going forward in life, knowing someone did something as simple as greeting people at a hotel in Disney and changed people's lives. I mean, you can do anything if he did something like that, you know? I think we'll wrap up on that. So I want to thank you all for listening today. Um, This has been really fun, as always. We will look forward to interacting with you all throughout the week on the social medias. We now have a YouTube and Instagram account. So you might be seeing some videos or some different content on those outlets. So please be sure to follow us there and subscribe to the YouTube. Thanks for everything you do. We'll come back and keep trying to do what we do better every week. Yep. Until next time, have a good one. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Goodbye. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for riding with us today. We hope you enjoyed the journey, and we look forward to seeing you again next week. Until then, we want to hear from you. Send us questions, comments, and suggestions on Twitter at Morning Monorail. Our email address is mondaymorningmonorail at gmail.com. You can also call our voicemail at 407-917-2144. As we approach the station, gather your belongings, and please watch your step as you exit. (laughs) See y'all real soon.